Good morning. I'm glad that you are joining us this morning. Today, I want to focus on how the church that is serious about being the body of Christ, the salt of the earth, and the light unto this world is called by God to exemplify Christian love and freedom. It is so important for us to to grapple with and explore how God's unique love for each of us, how you are created um, out of love and how God is there for you no matter what, how that is key. But it's also just as important in the scripture, it tells us that it is critical for us to also know the importance of how to live in community being the body of Christ, God's people. Yet the risk on that is that this kind of message that is more about community can be seen by some um, as irrelevant to their personal um, experience or their personal life. It can also come across um, like an exaggeration or a suspicious thought that I have an alternative motivation, but here's my motivation to delve into the scriptures with this particular uh, focus in mind, that the church is a community, and that the church is a spiritual family, and that characteristic at First Church, we really uphold that one. So as members and believers of that principle, we have the responsibility to share one another's burden, to go beyond our own interest and seek and support looking out for the other interest. We also believe that we are practicing the spiritual stewardship how Jesus Christ himself so generously gave himself. We are to mirror that. And we are to, in a way of stewardship, to take time, pay attention, dive into it, study it, and then do something about it. Scripture for you and me is to be a point of reference. And there's a story here to be read and to be grappled with because we too are to find our place in this story. So let me begin by saying the Mosaic Law, which is the Ten Commandments, discloses the truth about human condition. We are alienated from God and we stand under God's righteous judgment. So through Moses, God grants us a framework and the tablets are given to the people of Israel so that the condition and the bondage of the power of sin is addressed. But ultimately, it sets the stage, the Ten Commandments, the Mosaic Law, it sets the stage for yet a greater need, something to be fulfilled. And that is the salvation and the deliverance that we need by and through Jesus Christ. 
Paul writes in Romans 6.25, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ our Lord. So the promise for Abraham to bless all the nations, you can find that in Genesis 12, predates the Mosaic law, which is eventually offered about 400 or actually a little over 400 years later, again, after Abraham receives the call from God. So I'm going to rewind to the beginning and do as, as quickly as I can to give you a glimpse of the, of the narrative. Exodus 1 verse 7 and on reads like this. The Israelites were fruitful and prolific. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. I'll add commentary there. Prince Joseph, the one who was fair, the one who, who uh, spoke on behalf of the people. And I continue. And said to his people, this new king, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase, and in the event of war, they will join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor, became ruthless, making their lives bitter. Systemic oppression is not a new term, and it's not a new problem. New terms may come about to understand it, cultural oppression, systemic racism. It's a human race problem, and it's a sin that has been unfolding and has been revealed in the Word of God. It manifests itself through power, rivalry, and autonomy. Autonomy in the sense that there's this desire to disregard God as the owner and creator, Christ as the Lord of all, and to disregard God's commandment to honor God and then to mirror that by loving our neighbor as ourselves. Why? For many reasons, I'll mention a few because of greed, because of hate, because of the absence of love, because of the absence of justice and freedom for all. And after that, we learn how God calls Moses. So I get into later on in, in uh, Exodus. Moses is given the law presented in Exodus 20. And the story unfolds of how it took years and years to repair and release and maneuver and navigate through the wilderness and the ripple effect of suffering. 
Deuteronomy 5 and 6, uh, a second round giving to another generation the tablets, the Mosaic law. Remember, I am your God. I am your Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me, including the notion of self-governing or self-God. Follow this framework. In other words, fast forward all the way to the New Testament eras later, and I'm going to make reference in Luke chapter 3, in the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, God called John the Baptist to preach about the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as written by the prophet Isaiah, go and prepare the way of the Lord. Herod, angry. Verse 18, we must shut John into prison. That new way of living cannot be spread. Verse 21 of chapter 3 in Luke, Jesus is baptized and the Holy Spirit descends. And 30 years about, or he's 30 years old, Jesus begins his work. And you know the story, Pontius Pilate, at some point, I don't want to deal with this. We know of Herod, the, the atrocities done trying to find baby Jesus. The theme there continues to be fear, absence of love, presence of hate, desire, and lust for power, no matter the cost. The centrality of the Bible sets in Jesus Christ because in Jesus Christ, the law is fulfilled. It's not abolished. It's not ignored. It's fulfilled by the grace alone to save everyone who believes. Jesus fulfills the law. Jesus is the greatest radical of all time because his most selfless act of giving himself wholeheartedly so that you and I could live abundantly in the truest sense of the human condition. Christ's grace is not to be subordinate to the law. Christ's grace is not in opposition to the law. Christ fulfills it. And yes, there that creates tension. Too much of one gets it off balance. Christ stands in the gap. That's the crossroad for us to bear. I'm going to fast forward even more to Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. Paul writes to the Galatians because the community is struggling. Why? There's a group of missionaries, not pagan, not opposing to the teachings of Paul when he was planting the churches, missionaries there who were preaching a false gospel. They had the gospel, but they were hung up on satisfying a particular ritual within the law. So much to the point that it became the way, if you want to be part of the real community or, or completely part of the, of the community of, of the believers of Jesus, you must do this thing. If not, you're second citizen. Without grace, the human race corrupts the law. The Bible contains the human paradox. And it's not then just a devotional book for you and me. 
which it is, but it's not just that. For me to figure out how to find my keys, it's important. But there's a depth to the scripture that we need to dive into. And when the story gets painful, remain there because it will reveal the good news that in Christ there is justice. And it's important for us to dive into the scripture because then we can see our context, how we carry ourselves, how we love one another, how we lead and how we serve through the theological lens of the word. The biblical story tells us how people ignored the invitation to repent. Pharaoh's heart hardened, refusing to change his ways. And those that I mentioned in the New Testament. So their sin enslaved them and it inflicted pain unto others and those on the land. Why did the Bible, this is a question I get asked a lot of times by youth and children, why did the Bible get used to justify slavery when this new world was first discovered? Because human experience and the story reminds us that we tend to misuse it and abuse it. Because we use it as a hammer, not as a lamp unto our feet. Because the problem is how we interpret it and how certain texts are used to make a case proof texting, in other words. You may know the part of our United States story, how the slave owners and colonizers read out loud certain texts that made seemed like it was God's will to have slaves and a relationship with masters to believe that there are actual uh, cultures and, and, and races based on the pigmentation of our skin that are lesser than subhuman, second-class citizen. Like the missionaries um, that uh, Paul addresses here in the book of Galatians, the church history reminds us that there is a problem with hierarchical ideology, and that has distorted the message. And that's how slavery was justified, because the whole story was not told. People even couldn't, couldn't even read. The story was withheld for an alternative motivation, and it wasn't to honor God. Galatians 3, verse 28. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. This does not mean that we are to cease to be women and men, black and white. Rather, it means that these distinctions no longer are the determinative identifying markers, no longer a ground for status or exclusion. It means that all ethnic and social distinctions have lost, have lost its power to divide 
and to oppress. All manifestations of racial and ethnic divisiveness are betrayals of the truth and purity of the gospel. Today, we're facing many crises. Today, we face a, not a new problem, an ongoing problem. We've done great advancement. We've done great progression. But there's still residue and there's more to be done. There is residue today to the slavery, to the ideology. And we need to simply disarm it and stand firm against it. We're standing on behalf of the gospel, so we stand against racism systematically and individually speaking. Today we're facing a crisis of how to truly love our neighbor if they sit at the other side of a party line, or how to love God and our neighbor above party lines, political party lines. So how do we do our part, you may ask? Why today? Why me? Way past my time. We are to mirror Jesus Christ. He said, I'm not leaving you. I'm sending the Holy Spirit for you to do greater things and make disciples of Jesus Christ, continuing the blessing and the commissioning given to Abraham. Go bless all the nations and make disciples of all. So we are to study and share the gospel and personify the gospel. Those of us who are in Christ, we are to be the character of Christ. Jesus expects humility, love, unity, responsibility, uh, solidarity to bear one another's burdens and sufferings. We advance God's kingdom on earth right now until unto eternity. We confess that we need conversion, that we need to be sanctified, that we need to grow even if it's painful, growing pains. We must stand in faith for freedom. We are to live the Beatitudes. We are to be the light and hope and source of truth and show mercy and compassion and integrity and consistency. We are not to pass the bucket because we're too tired or we feel like it's too late for the next generation. We don't want that on them. In fact, we are to be a church that will be so committed that we will teach that truth comprehensively to our children and our youth. We are to um, do something about the skepticism when people believe or think or wonder, where is the church? Is the church silence? Didn't the church have some responsibility to do with this? We'll say, yes, we've confessed that and we confess it today. We're not going to add to the skepticism and we will not add to the cynicism, right? What would Jesus do is a great cool little uh, bracelet brand that I grew up with. I wore it and I said it. What would Jesus do? We do know what would Jesus do. We know what Jesus said. We know what Jesus taught. The question is, what are we going to say and proclaim and live out on behalf of Jesus Christ? Freedom does not mean autonomy, which means self-law. 
No, the freedom that Paul talks about is freedom in Christ that we choose to be of service mutually to one another. It's that freedom that we desire to live in community, that we desire to honor the covenant of God as God placed it upon us. Obedience to the law is not a condition for getting in. It's actually the way that we stay in community. And I begin to close with this, the single event through which God has chosen to redeem the world is the cross. Jesus Christ, Jesus gave himself wholeheartedly. Without the cross, the Bible, without the emphasis on the cross, the Bible too will become yet another religious system prone to self-pride and ambition. We are God's children because of the Lord's generosity. When one bone is broken, we need to take extra attention and care for it. So if I need to put a cast and I need to go to the doctor several times just to have this part broken focus, that does not mean that the rest of my body doesn't matter. But clearly there's a brokenness that needs extra attention. And I think that's what we need to speak of more today. Our community needs to see Christ through us. And this particular congregation, we've been resilient We've been continued to persevere through a pandemic. We are embarking into a new season. We want 50 more years. Our church as a whole struggles with many realities. And I'm asking you, what is our part? To commit to be into the depth of the scripture and believe that there's hope in Jesus Christ, that you and I are called to make a difference, to use our voice compassionately, gracefully and to share the love of Jesus Christ. I also think we are to use our voice and honor those who fought for it, since not every single person was able to use the voice at some point. But now we've made progression that more of us can vote. So that's another way that this particular nation is gifted with the, the practice of voting. Please vote. We have until October 5th to register to vote. Please vote on behalf of those who couldn't vote before us. I'm already teaching my 13-year-old daughter and my five-year-old daughter, love God, love your neighbor, and at 18 years old, vote. Let's be a mirror of the character of Jesus Christ. Let's speak of love. Let's love. Let's truly love. Listen, hear more of the story. There is more to the story. Listen to the stories of minorities in particular. Let's confess so we can advance and give God all of the honor and glory. So may the prayer be, God, take all of us. Take our lives, take our voice, take our hands, take our feet, take our soul, take our hearts, take our nation, take this church. And convert us once again. God bless you.